Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Tech Cat Show. And this week, we have a really different and exciting show. I'm actually going to highlight um, an industry panel that I took part in a couple of weeks ago in Redmond, California, at the AI Showbiz Expo. And the panel was called May the Force Be With You Future Frontiers Panel. And it featured a number of well-known visionary futurists who are making their predictions about the future of AI and entertainment and our role in really guiding AI. So I'm going to share the entire panel with you. It's about 45 minutes, um, so it'll be really interesting. Um, Sometimes it's a little hard to track, but I think you'll find it thought-provoking as all of these futurists and trendmeisters try to discuss and wrangle what is going to be the future of AI? How will we be responsible? Do we really see it as a dystopian future, or is it going to be exciting and positive and create a lot of opportunities? So enjoy this fantastic panel from the AI Showbiz Expo. May the force be with you, Future Frontiers panel. So we're going to start. Let's start. We're going to go through the entire panel. Everybody's going to introduce themselves in about 15 seconds or so. But also, if you could, and I hate to bring like an end game in here or an Avengers reference, but it's kind of topical right now. So if everybody, as you're going through, let's start off with our prediction on what we believe the end game realistically is going to be and a date beside that. I'm Brett Leonard, uh, yeah, director of The Lawmer Man and a number of other movies. And uh, I have a company called Studio Lightship that's doing virtual experience across many different verticals, and including entertainment and medical data visualization and, and, the, and the like. Um, in terms of the end game, uh, I think the end game is for us to be able to fully express the imagination and joyful quality of human existence without all the impingements of the primal reptilian brainstem theater of survival and of all of the things that have created the the cultural uh, imperatives that keep us from that expression. So essentially the greatest creative empowerment imaginable. That's what I feel the end game of all these technologies and what we're trying to put together as a rubric around them. You mean we it's actually deep. get to enjoy life? Exactly, and from, from, from the Whoa, very beginning. Oh, that's deep. Yeah, but I love it. Slata. Hello, good evening. It's places like this that make me feel a bit more sane. So thank you. Um, I, do, um, I do two things. Um, first and foremost, I help bring robots to everyday life through our personal robotics company. And the second thing is I help rising stars, rising founders bring their vision to light. And the end game, um, the end game for me is really doing more of what we love and sharing more of ourselves with those we love. So whatever that end game looks like, I don't know. But if I could wave my magic wand, that would be it. This this is a very optimistic start to the panel because many people would have looked at AI and said it would maybe make the world colder and less emotional, and probably have us moving further away from people, but you're going the opposite direction, which is, which is really interesting. Jennifer. Definitely. 
So uh, Jennifer Ritchie, I'm Chief Strategy Officer at Gravity Jack. Uh, we were founded a decade ago on the basis of augmented reality. Uh, so it, we do virtual reality and mixed reality, I feel like any acronym thereof. But for, for me, with regards to the end game, I mean, kind of, it, it follows along with what's been said thus far, but a step further and, and even to tack on with what Brian said, it's it's where it's not just artificial intelligence, where it's cold and it's finding a solution to these known problems, but more of a AGI, just an artificial general intelligence that's appreciated, where it's helping me in my everyday life because it knows, you know, Starbucks is about a block and a half. I really like the nitro cold brew. That place doesn't have nitros. Go right to your meeting so you can pick up a coffee on the way. That where it's that kind of intelligence that I appreciate, that's preemptively telling me and assisting me instead of being obtrusive. You know, even AR that's just smacked in front of your face versus enhancing my life to where I'm thankful for it. So awesome, yeah. my buddy Will. Hey, Will, you ever seen Black Mirror? Uh, no. But I know what it okay, is. Okay, I want somebody on the panel just to give a reference to this to see how close it is to where we're going to go to. But I'm um, a dystopian uh, Philip K. Dick friend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, hi, I'm Will. Uh, I founded uh, a company called Ohio Energetics. We're a cannabis technology company. Um, oh. And RIP. <laughs> uh, you're more interesting. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we we focus in our IP ranging from, we like to talk about roots to rockets, uh, water encapsulated delivery systems for immediate onset by availability enhancement to targeted payload deliveries of these compounds to, to target the endocannabinoid system, which, which is the system, if you're not familiar, regulates every system of the body, um, to enhancing uh, customizable moods, to looking at... Um, individualized preventative care on our biotech side uh, and all the way to uh, creating supercapacitors uh, and graphene at scale for um, quantum computing, satellites, cars, rockets out of our hemp waste. We're currently with uh, Lawrence Livermore Berkeley Labs accelerating that. Um, so really looking at this one plant and, and taking it from all the various iterations, we actually also have uh, <clears throat> the IP for uh, cannabinoids for space travel. This is why I love having you on the panel, Will. Like, every time I have you on, I think to my mind, I have no idea what that guy said. He is so friggin' smart. I need to start hanging around with him in social circumstances as well. What does the end game look like? Yeah, I, you know, I think uh, I'd like to look at like Buckminster Fuller's uh, is one of my heroes. Um, if, us working as a uh, unified um, symbiotic force and, and, and getting being able to modulate reality in a, in a, in a uh, way that I think of like Gaia tech in, in harmony with natural systems um, and, and utilizing uh, technologies of communications to synergize, mirroring what everyone said um, and really getting to the point. We have the vision of open sourcing these where we can 3D print your, your batteries out of our hemp waste uh, and your car breaks down, you can print your capacitor um, for free, right? And getting, into a, getting out of the limited model of scarcity, which is really poor systemic design. We live on an abundant planet and getting to the point where we redesign with symbiosis in mind, uh, starting with the internal environment to, to increase the propensity to, to get along and, 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 and synergize um, to, uh, yeah, really open sourcing, uh, creation of an exploration of inner and outer space. I'm pretty sure you just said it's going to be really good. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> It can be. Thanks, mate. Awesome. Laurie. 
well, first of all, Brian, I just want you to know, um, I mean, Will, that you had me at, I have a cannabis company. So, um, <laughs> uh, so um, I'm Lori Schwartz. I have a, a consultancy called StoryTech, and we work with um, brands, media companies, and tech companies, helping them understand what's going on right now so that everyone can move forward. And it, it manifests at a lot of trade shows. One of the things we're known for is actually walking executives around show floor tours at big uh, trade shows like uh, CES and explaining everything. And by uh, education and sort of intermingling media, tech, and brands, we're hoping that more growth happens in business. Um, and I also have a podcast, and we're actually broadcasting this on that podcast, The Tech Cat Show. Um, and in terms, thank you, <laughs> thank you, my one fan. <laughs> and uh, in terms of uh, the end game, I think the Starks are going to take the Iron Throne, and I think Arya is going to be the next presidential candidate. Uh, she's going to win 2020. But um, in reality, I think what's going to happen is we're going to go through an awkward period of where a lot of people are going to be disintermediated from society and careers and jobs um, just because it moves so fast that in the past there was training period and people could upgrade and get to the next level when there was an invention. But I think uh, tech is moving so fast that a lot of people are going to be disintermediated and there's going to be an awkward period. But after that... I think there'll be great glory. But I do think that we're going to have um, some challenges and some people are not are going to be left out. And, and they talk a lot about, if you've heard the expression below the API, it's all the people that are, you know, um, not doing the, uh, that are doing the manual stuff and that are below the software level and below the creative level. So I, I think we're going to be in a little challenging time, but I don't think it's forever. Um, and I think we'll come out of it stronger. I think human and machine together is very powerful, but we have to stay together, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I, 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 maybe it's just because I'm a kind of a repressed Irish Catholic that I have it within me that we always see the darkest side, like, but we always have fun with it, right? That's why we have wakes at yeah, funerals. But I don't think that's dark. I think it's kind of, disintermediation just means change has happened. It doesn't, it, and it can be But you awkward. think we can control this? Like for real, because the the power within what's being created right now has always been owned by humans before, and it's going to be owned by humans again, and it's going to be owned by a tiny few, and they're generally going to be big bad ones, right? Not nice people, and then and then they're going to make the world a worse place, right? At least first, and I'm, I'm throwing that open. We're going to get you in a second, Daniel, but I think you've just brought us to a, to a really interesting point, which is, fuck. But it's not. See, I'm oh, sorry. But but uh, but I don't think it's it's um, it's a bad thing. I think um, y you know change has to happen for us to grow and evolve. And sometimes change is dark, but light comes after that. It's not. I mean, nothing is pretty all the time. Nothing is perfect all the time. I mean, God, you had to see me at fourteen. It was a nightmare. So <laughs> you know what I'm saying. We all. It, it's just part of life. It's just that what we're do. What has happened right now with technology is that it's not going to give us that period of time where we can strategize and train and move on. People are just getting laid off and they don't have places to go because we don't have enough time to think, okay, I'm going to put you in this next role. But I think the next generation or the next marketing demographic will be planning for this. And so it'll be okay. We're just going to go through an awkward period and that's okay. But that's, I, that's how I, we grow, right? These, the stress points are how we grow. Uh, any, whether it's an AI system where you inject it with a virus once it hits a plateau, so then it can start to think more creatively or 
right? And, 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 and goes, it's identical. Uh, First love confession on a panel. <laughs> no, but so, but, but so what I'm hearing though is, is like if we look at the last 20 years, and if I'm, again, if I'm looking at it from a kind of a, a skeptical perspective, we could argue that society's got worse. We could argue that people have got but much it richer. If, like, if it, has it not? No, like people have got richer, middle class. Not at all, not even There's close. a great book, so Abundance. Okay. Everything is so yep. much better. Violence has gotten so much better. And, and I look, I believe that these attrition uh, mechanisms, which we're talking about, are belief systems. And we have to shift our belief around the amount of attrition that's necessary. Because we could have everyone fed. We could have all of, there is enough wealth. There is exactly. enough of everything. But we don't. No, but because From of system what we failure. are creating as a belief. And that can be shifted, I believe, in like an Aikido move very yes. rapidly. In and a that's generation. the story I want to tell. And also, I think a lot of it is, is fear, not fact-based, too. If you really take a look at what's happening in, in that transition and you look at the facts. Rewind 500 years ago. Rewind 1,000 years ago. I can guarantee they weren't sitting on a panel quite like this. No, I'm but some of these very same conversations. Right, around a fire going, this is it. This is terrible. We're all doomed, you know. But it wasn't in our power to fix it back then. I suppose the point that I'm making is what you've just said there is we could fix everything. We could have fixed everything 30 years ago. Like everybody could be fed. We could have like the entire world. So number one, what will be, what is the how that's going to make that happen? And number two, how does AI and, and this movement forward in technology actually help enable it to make sure it's going to happen? Because I listen, I'd like the world to be a better place too. We didn't have the internet 30 years ago, really operating the way we do now. So I think it's where the open source... Oh, just grabbing my... Grabbing my yeah, <laughs> so we didn't have the internet 30 years ago, right? And so this is really, the, I think, the, the, the beginning. You had the groundwork of, of the initial stages of these new system ideas coming into play, and now you've got the ability for data everywhere, communications, right? And, and, it's, and it's only going to increase the amount of touch points of, 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 of collaboration uh, and dissemination of, of really, I believe, open source is, is going to be the fighting point between, you know, Brave New World or more likely to Brave New World than, than Orwellian 84. But, but maintaining this open code and open sourcing will uh, create an automatic check and balance that has never been seen before. Okay, I want to bring Daniel in. And Daniel, obviously, there's no way I can ask you any. There's no point in me asking you, like, you, we've seen it. It's awesome, right? But let's talk a little bit about the physicality versus display and where you see that going over the next 10, 15 years. You talked a little bit about Star Wars and Star Trek and the, the conflict between both. But w what's your vision of, of how that's going to play out? And you're not allowed to use the word particle. Go. Yeah. yeah, all words are one syllable, by the way. We've got a new rule for the entire panel, small words for simple people. Yeah, so I, th I definitely think we're going to see a merging of the digital world and the physical world. Uh, and, and, and we're going to be active participants in this until the singularity. And, and, and even at that point, I'm guessing that we'll have modified our biology enough that uh, we'll actually join them as opposed to trying to beat them. Right, so I, th I think that... We are already super good at creating our own environments. We, I, I'm not worried about being plugged into the matrix because I think we're going to do it ourselves little by little. We're excellent at self-deception. And if I could create a digital overlay for the world that only I see, that's just an extension of what I'm already doing, putting myself in echo chambers, looking for confirmation bias. And, this, and, and digital technologies are just going to greater, you know, be tools to exacerbate this until I create a world that I live in. And I'm all for it. 
even though I see the, the negativity of it. For example, if I could use my display technology to make everybody's nose look bad so that I feel better about my own, <laughs> I'd totally do it, right? Save myself several thousand dollars in you know, uh, surgery. 100%. Right, or just scatter dandelion seeds, virtual dandelion seeds in all my neighbor's yards so I don't have to feel bad about my own. Yeah, totally I would do that, right? So I think that, I think that that's, that's what's going to happen is we're going to take greater control and as humans we're going to you know, botch it up. But eventually we'll all be... Uh, Zen Buddhist monks enjoying the collective. But not until, we're going to need that Protestant work ethic until we get a warp drive and Jean-Luc Picard beams down and inducts us into the Federation and then we can go all out. Buddhist monk, we can just coast from there. So, so on that point, as we're all becoming part of the internet of things, like, does that change how we are as humans at all? Does it change like, well, our moral or our ethical codes? And this is again for other people to join in. You can start yeah, but, to but I want to say that I definitely come on the side of it. We're way better off now, largely because of global networks. I mean, uh, Harari in his book, Yaval Harari, he talks about how, for the first time ever, sugar is more dangerous than gunpowder. And for the first time, more people die from eating too much than eating too little. We haven't eradicated famine or hunger, but my goodness, we don't lose a third of the population uh, of a continent when a plague happens. And the reason for that is because we have these networks that alert us to what's happening. And we have science that tells us how AIDS spreads. And we're able to contain these things in ways that we never could before. These are complex problems. And with the rise of AI, we're going to have even more powerful tools to combat them until those things are virtually eradicated. So it makes us better humans. But does it... Except when no. the human element doesn't vaccinate or something like that. There's, let's, I just wanted to layer that in because... And, and if so. we, when we get to... Oh, yeah, on... on it, the safer we get, right, the, the, the propensity to, to learn and grow and diversify, like we get to such a safe point, then our operating systems start to kind of plateau. And so there, there's one argument on, on, on how psychedelics are actually an effective me, uh, mechanism to inject these kind of temporary depths into the psyche to maintain uh, growth and continuity. Just to, well, I mean, right. one, yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay, so I have a question for everybody in the room. Who here has life insurance? Life insurance. Only a few people, actually. No, other people, really? You don't have life insurance? Who has life insurance? What percent? What percent of the room has life insurance? What percent? I have it. What percent? Do you have it? Who has life insurance? Thirty. You think? I think it was more than thirty percent. After everybody raised their hands, I'd say it looked like about forty. Forty percent. So you know, buying life insurance. If you think about it, somebody's gonna is telling you you're gonna probably you're definitely gonna die probably going to suffer, won't be able to take care of your family, buy my product, right? It's a really tough sell when you think about, oh, by the way, it's in 50 years, right? It's a very tough sell, but people buy it, right? And there's a difference between people who buy it and people who don't, right? And I think as a society, we can also apply that, that question. Does society have life insurance? And should it? Does it deserve to? Do humans... Do human beings as a species deserve to survive, number one? If you think they do, then how do you improve the chances that they will? As a society, because you can't survive alone, you have to have society. So Harry Seldon is a character in the Isaac Asimov Foundation trilogy, it's a series of books that influenced a lot of people uh, in the space industry, in the tech industry, including me. Um, and he came up in this 
fictional story with a technology called psychohistory, where they studied the mass movements of history the way you study thermodynamic systems, lots of particles, and they figured out you could statistically predict what masses of humans would actually do, just like you can predict what a gas is going to do. So based on that, and a lot of science fiction, they, they figured out that they could statistically nudge civilization in a better direction at the end of the day. And because they figured out they could do that, it was their responsibility to do it. Now, similarly, um, you know, when you're buying life insurance, you know you're going to die, you know you're probably going to suffer, you know you won't be able to take care of your dependents, but you're doing something now, based on that knowledge, to improve the future for them, right? Civilization, I, I, I would judge the intelligence level of a civilization by the degree to which it's intentionally doing that for its future generations. Now, I need to bring out th that you left out the part where the psychohistorian comes back as a hologram Every once in a while, just a, to, no, to no, remind no, no everybody. No spoilers. <laughs> That's right. but, but here's the thing, okay? We're all, we're all optimistic. We're technological idealists. Every one of us, wouldn't, we wouldn't be here if we weren't. We're optimists, right? It doesn't make you not an optimist to buy life insurance. So here's the thing. If, if the Terminator was really a true story... Well, I'm glad you mentioned the Terminator. Yeah. If it was really going to happen, okay? Thank you. If Skynet is really going to happen 30 years from now, if Ray Kurzweil is right, right? If it's really going to happen, what would you do today? I honestly think that holograms really are the answer here. And, uh, and the reason I say <laughs> Holograms that, are the answer, yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, think about the relationship that, that Kal-El, Superman, was able to maintain with his parents, long deceased, far away, through this, this, this representation that had been preserved in his crystals. Right? And we have the technology to do this in essence, even if you know, it isn't necessarily... So faithful. if your world is destroyed, at least the hologram of your world will survive. That's yeah, can we, can we go back to the Terminator? I, I agree like with that this, reasoning, right? I, by the way. I fully I agree with that reasoning. I'm doing that. Uh, because, so let, let's look at AI and AR as a potential for evil as well. And let's look at Terminator-type outcomes. How scary is this? What's more likely? Is it more likely that AI is going to make our lives worse or that it's going to make our lives better in 50 years? I don't think it's that clear. Worse. Definitely worse. Like 50, like 50 maybe years, next yeah. year. <laughs> I mean, we're still human beings, and there are some of us that behave well and in the confines of cultural acceptance, and there are some of us that don't. I mean, we still are creatures of emotion. We're still human beings. We're still going to do dumb things, you know? I mean, we're still... Brad, right, but let, let me just bring Garbage Brad in, garbage out, right? Let, let me just bring... Let me, um, let, let me, sorry, Laurie. Let me just bring Brad in first, and then we'll, we'll come back over. Well, I think... Look, <laughs> I think it's up to us. I think it's up to us right now. We have to take the responsibility from this moment on. The fact that we are even here with a fairly small group of people talking about this means we're on the hook. I'm a storyteller. I've had a billion people see my, see my stories. That's a huge responsibility that I feel. And I've actually affected an industry in a small way, but, you know, popularizing a term and showing what it possibly could be. And that has come back to me a thousandfold over the years and really brought to me this feeling of true connection to the actual choices we're going to make. 
And as people that are out there as thought leaders and storytellers, we've got to take the platonic responsibility right now to make sure that AI and virtual experience and these things are portrayed in a story, a meta-narrative that guides the psychohistory in the correct, or correct is a bad word, but in, in a positive direction, in an evolutionary direction. I think AI, look, I think that activating the genius of the group mind, which has always been what society's been about, and finding structures that activate that genius more than the more primal aspects of the group mind, that's the pivot point. And I think it's whoever tells the better story wins. So you're calling for another 60s, right? You're calling for a movement of people. No, hmm? very different techno than the 60s. Techno hippies, yeah, phase a, two, right? <laughs> yeah, and you know, look, the technology of the 60s, when a lot of this was happening, uh, the, this kind of consciousness raising happened for the technology of psychedelics and the technology of certain mind-altering substances that connected people to a different alternate reality form. These technologies are very similar to those drugs. Yeah, and by the way, Molly will be handing out drugs at the end of the evening if everybody could just... <laughs> uh, I was going to, nice if line. I could add to what Brett said, so I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with, I think they're called Proper Daily, uh, an agency, a social agency. They did um, an event about a month ago, and they invited all showrunners and writers, and it was called, um, I think it was called Uncomfortable Conversations, and it was a whole day of panels and sessions about um, talking about all these challenging issues that are in our culture right now, to get the showrunners and the writers to write about them, to put you know a Muslim man in a movie and not have him be the terrorist, to you know put, put make people of color you know move away from where we're stuck right now because we are impacted by your stories, and so the whole point of that event was to plant the seeds for, it's in your power, Hollywood, to help influence and tell better stories. And so it doesn't have to be negative utopias. And that, that another approach is instead of pushing towards the future and, and making it all about something that might magically happen, is we create the science future right now. And that's and what it, the engagement and of it interactive... And be positive. The engagement of interactive media and virtual experience allows that connection to the physical reality much more. And we have... Look, it, it's, it's so true that the, the biggest lie in Hollywood is that what they do doesn't matter. That, and that goes back to Jack Warner saying, you know, if you got a message, send it Western Union. Now, I'm not talking about messages or preaching, but... It matters what is put out in mass media. It matters what these stories are. It matters that we start regurgitating the same thing over and over and over again. And but it's also challenging, right? I will because tell you why it matters. Like, uh, sorry, sorry go on, um, I will tell you why it matters, and I will thank you greatly, because as somebody who's creating technology like a personal robot, and I'm talking about cleaning and helping and picking up toys, and, and when we did the use cases, I mean, it was, it was amazing that we spent 30 hours a week cleaning, right? And when I'm thinking, of, it, it, it's amazing. Like, women spend up to 30 hours a week cleaning. And the reason I bring this up is because if I and my co-founder, we make technology powerful enough to clean, we make technology powerful enough to cook, we also make technology powerful enough to pick up a gun and pick up a knife. 
So when we're looking at the contrast that Hollywood is offering, it is providing me with more responsibility as a technologist, as a futurist, as somebody who's really, really carefully crafting the socioeconomic outcome of my product and really taking huge responsibility for what I put out, that, that is why we have contrast. And that is where Hollywood can really serve us and serves us to this day. And, and, and the, like with, with the coming like uh, individual personalized design evolution and revolution with 3D printing, we're just at the beginning, but there's, you know, there's 3D printing genome typewriters, right? And then they're working on, 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 on molecular printers. So the personalization and, 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 and demonstrating through narrative on an individual level, but also simultaneously, um, for example, if you look at Navy SEALs, they, they're trained to get into flow, right? And flow state is how they're operating as one unit, and they can go in, in the middle of the night and not have friendly fire and, and, and have an extraction. And, and, and the data shows productivity and intelligence can go up 400%, insane amounts. So if we can use technology to generate group flow as a group across the planet, but we, our productivity can skyrocket and come up with solutions in the lifetime. I'm going to challenge We're working back with just, that with just for a second, and I want to bring Jennifer in after that, is Hollywood have got a, a dilemma because people want to watch Avengers. They want to watch people shooting themselves and like a couple of goodies make it through and then they get through to the next thing. They want that's to watch big, that's Terminator. That's a big subject matter, though, because that's ne it's... It's negative engagement, but it is being, in many ways, force-fed. There is positive engagement. There are ways, it, the challenge is in the artistry and the storytelling. We have to challenge ourselves to be able to create positive engagement to be as just as compelling as negative engagement. And, and, and Avengers, I that by the happen. way, had a bunch of powerful women superheroes that I thought was fantastic. And I'm more excited than ever for my daughter to grow up watching women kick ass. And that wasn't the case when I was coming up. So to me... I, I left the Avengers not only thinking, oh my God, Hollywood is fantastic, three hours, I was engaged, the theater was packed, the business is doing well, but I also left feeling like excited. I, I, yeah. I thought, there are heroes, there are people that get up and do great things and sacrifice themselves for us, you know? And there was that great oh. scene when all the broads yeah. That's got the biggest, up and kicked That is the biggest applause moment in the movie. Yeah. But don't I saw we it want full that was freaking awesome, crowd, right? When the all the biggest broads applause moment. Yeah. Was when That's, the women yeah. walked together. Yeah. It was, and it was only a, about a five-second shot. Yeah. But it was the it, you could feel the energy in the theater just expand yeah. because the truth is the rising of the feminine. I'm just uh, yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm just like, pu I'm just but again, I'm pushing back. Wouldn't it be better to see like ten of that fifteen-year-old girl today, who's like Forbes best-selling author, has got hundreds of thousands of followers? Like, I mean, it's awesome. People are shooting each other, and that now that women are able to shoot each other as well as men can shoot each other. But I just think it wouldn't it be better like if we took what was being what was happening in the world. I know Jennifer, you got very specific thoughts on artificial intelligence, how we're going to visualize it, where it's going to go in the future. Well, what, what do you think? Well, part of I to go on with what we were saying on as far as the the negativity and the positivity, and is it going to be good, is it going to be bad? There's a difference between indulgence and awareness. And, and, and being aware of, like we're all doing here, having the awareness of the what ifs, what could, what should, what will. And, be, and then in an acting in a very responsible manner too. But to pretend, you know, if we were all sitting up here saying, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to have canvas robots. We're going to, we're going to the moon. Everything's fine. Is, is ignorant. But there's such power in that awareness 
and, and really seeing where that's going, in, in my opinion. So we're shaping the future now, right? Right, right. Oh, just grab a mic. Sorry, Lori. We, we, again, we need the dark to see the light. So sometimes you're in the mood for, you know, spaghetti western, and other times you want Julie Andrews singing on the mountain. You know, sometimes, you know, we're, we're, we're multifaceted, and so I don't think we should shy away from our stories and our history as human beings. So it can be a little dark and negative, but there's always light after dark. Well, I think that every genre can be affected by this, that, that you can have a wild-ass horror movie, and I love all genres, I love all cinematic genres, that absolutely has illumination in it. You can go through, I mean, the shamanistic path is going through the dark into the light and being able to handle that journey. And so that's the huge aspect of storytelling. But to say it's one better, shouldn't we do this more? We're human. None of us like the same thing. We 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 need that variety. You don't know the ripple effect of some point in a movie or some bit when they walk out and what that impact is going to have. Or, you know, if you're seeing a display and you've got, you know, displays where maybe it's mini drones that's putting my my display in front of me and it's feeding it right to me. And and where somebody's seeing it on the arm. One person likes that idea better than the arm. We, we are humanity. We're all different. Yeah, and we can we bring Daniel in and then like over immediately afterwards because I want to talk about space. But just I, I know qu- Daniel I wanted to say something first. Yeah, yeah, so I, want to, I want us to commit on this light-dark thing because <laughs> there's going to be a point, and it probably will be through optogenetics for those who are familiar. We can use light to selectively turn on or turn off individual neurons or groups of neurons in the brain now. That means that we're going to be able to gradually tease out the circuit of the brain and treat it like any microprocessor. That means that eventually we'll be able to download all our memories and upload new ones. That means if we don't want to eat that donut, we shine a light on a particular neuron and we don't even want to eat that donut anymore. We will change our desires. And if, if that's the problem, if, if human desires and indulgence, if it's the carnal man or the carnal woman inside us that is the source of the garbage into the system, there's going to be a moment in time when we're going to have the option to excise that if we choose. And there's and so, a great risk in that, in that what we value and see as a potential weakness, but the, but the, the game of genetic diversity, right, gives us the strength. Need and, my pain, this is Captain Kirk, right? But I want, you to, I want you to commit to this, right? If you could get rid of that, if you could exercise yourself, would you do it? And, and, and would, that, would that put us at a... a Okay, I want to bring Nova... Well, can, can I make one I comment? I want to bring Nova in. Nova, about AI. Come, come on in. So first AI. of all, about AI. So we, as a species, are handing our power over to machines. And they're machines that never die. Software doesn't die. It's eternal. We're temporary. We are making things that outlive us, that can't be killed, don't die, and don't necessarily share our values. Or they reflect the values of a small minority that makes them, and owns them, and controls them. So, you know, in the past, Tyranny has always happened. Whenever there's a vacuum, tyranny comes in to fill it. And it's happened historically over and over, and we're not going to end tyranny. That's human nature. Now, the problem is, in the past, tyranny was relatively hard to enforce on the masses. If you wanted to impose your will on millions of people, you probably needed hundreds of thousands of soldiers, humans, who die and are expensive to maintain and hard to get. Now, that same tyrant with a small set of bots on commodity hardware that costs almost nothing can change the election in the most powerful country in the world. You know, the Russian effort, the disinformation effort, 
was a small group. It wasn't, a, it wasn't an army. It was dozens of people. And they changed our election, and they, they've shifted history. So the, the problem is, I don't, think, I don't know how to solve it. You can't really put you know, Humpty Dumpty back together again. You can't put Pandora back in Pandora's box. You can't. So now, what are our choices? What are our real options? What are our non-random choices? Aspirations that it might be good or, or reminding people to feel their human nature, that's kind of a random thing. But are there any non-random outcomes that we can work to guarantee? That's the important question now, right, ultimately. So That's I where the rubber meets the road. I want to further problematize this because they've done studies where in a local election where people, sadly, don't know the candidates, they can take an image of the person voting and they can mix it 20% with the faces of you know, one of the people who's a candidate and they can swing the election. Speaking of which, so, I mean, people don't know this, but in a previous company, I was very involved in measuring the crowd and we didn't do it just for the top brands in the world. We also did it for our government against uh, violent extremism, for example. So I was very involved in the latest and greatest techniques there. Um, and the, you know, the problem is that those who have the measurement tools have an unfair advantage to actually influence the crowd. It's another problem. We, we, the crowd, don't have the same data as the people that monetize us and actually govern us. We don't. So the world actually isn't the same as it was. It's a different balance of power, and it's shifting. There's a wealth transfer. There's also a, there's a knowledge or information transfer or awareness advantage that is shifting towards a few. And, and that is the problem of AI, because AI gives them more power. This sucks. Like, uh, I, I know this is kind of supposed to be about you, and I should have done questions ages ago, but I feel like I'm in the best dinner party ever. <laughs> but just, Ryan, oh, can I just wow. say what, one what? thing? The, yeah, the power ahead. of story is so pervasive here. Yeah. Pandora's box is a story. Every single thing we are referencing is a story that we have embedded in our DNA. We have to change the story. But also, maybe the Russia thing happened now to teach us to fix it before it could have gotten worse. Exactly. It's a good story. I and mean, that's a good story point right, right there. Maybe the Russia thing's been happening for years and, and just and AI has helped us realize. We need, we need some, I'm just going to say his name, you know, not to bum everyone out, but maybe we need a little Trump to appreciate what we you know, our world. I think he's an accelerator. Yes, right. He's I mean, all this ugly comes to accelerant. An accelerant. No, it's like the, a, the it's uglier like it is, the better you do we a, found to the When you do a detox, when you do a detox, all the crap you. comes out. Exactly. And, you, and you, the crap has to come out. Yep. And then your skin is like so much better and people stop you in the street and compliment you and thank you for looking so good all the time. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's like awesome, awesome you know power. what I'm saying. I... I Okay, I think the world is a better place. I'm, um, I've moved. I've moved forward. Even though, even though, like um, President Trump is not the only person who has extreme views around the world, and more and more countries, we're actually starting to see. I think Nova brings up a really interesting point, which is that unless, as a community, we get together and actually have an incredibly strong voice, then the chances of avoiding catastrophe is kind of low. So but we do have a strong, right? The, the, the general population, like. like 
like we haven't even begun to really see like with with blockchain and 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 looking at AI analyzing like so so we had to pass a bill in California to get um, to allow for hemp flower production. They copied it. Old Canadian law, so we so we went through the process of, of of initiating a bill and got it passed. And you see the sausage making process of, of legislative so, making. and and what you realize is that the, the the people making the decisions have a ton of stuff on their desks, and they're typically hungover, right? And 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 there's unintended consequences. I think is the big thing, right? And if we apply, for example, deep learning and, and, and looking at the implications of, of verbiage of, of, of law and start to democratize that and open that up and look at, here's what happened in the past when those words were written and start to generate some feedback loops that we can take intelligent action points on now. Um, we may have with, to do another, with, we may with have, the exposure. Well, we are really in a place right. where the, 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 we may the have many to do another, can affect the few. We may so have to do another conference. Well, we have like five minutes left. Everybody's hating on me. I better take some questions. Can somebody, uh, who's got some questions they want to, just to get engaged? First of Thanks, all, Mike. nobody's hating on you. This is a great conversation. Right? Um, so I was having this conversation with the woman who is doing the voice-activated uh, software outside. Yeah. Right on. Okay. Weren't we talking about this? And Chris's, Chris Payne's film really affected me, and this is the conversation about it. And I have lots of comments for all the comments, but I have this idea of us creating a white hat AI that we train each of us, and why not feed it the Bodhisattva you know, stories and the Buddha and um, the, the sustainability and all of that. And you know, there's something I'm doing with using blockchain that can also help facilitate uh, identifying circumstances or, or you know, situations, and that collective that we're developing could be one piece of that because it's actually engaging all of the groups that really care and you could have a ripple effect and ask volunteers around the world from different factors to be training this consciousness and that we actually create a white hat and put in the virus killers so that if we start getting attacked by drones, we can say, obliterate, you know, who's this Who's this directed at? All of us. Everybody. As a okay, it's a general, it's a general like, comment. We're okay, here. Cool. You know, do, we're do saying, we what do we do? Let's train some AI. I totally White agree. hat AI, babes. Come on. Who wants to join? I totally me? agree. We have to train right. AI to be in. reflective uh, of the better okay. angels of our nature. We have to yes. train AI. There, there's been spiritual technology. Yes. But it's for that, that has been, you know, expressed and, and practiced by a very small minority of people over history avataristic individuals have existed and that spiritual technology whatever form of cosmological belief you have has had effect and has had been has been effective we need to find that and amplify it and amplify it through ai in the context of creating a a glue in this sort of group mind activation and in entertainment directing the audience to go and take actionable items now Right? Exactly. And inspiring them and let them know that they do have that. Great ability. call. Jeff. So, two things. First of all, I have a riddle for you guys. Does, does anybody know why Trump makes so many spelling mistakes? He's trying to avoid a sentence. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> no my, question, uh, my question is um, one thing I brought up when, on my talk this afternoon. You know, at ev almost every AI conference that I go to, I see an ethics panel. 
But the people, the people going to the ethics panels are this are this scientists and these people who believe in ethics. But they go back and they go back to their companies like Google and Disney and Warner Brothers, who ethics actually has no basis for what they want to do. Their basis is making money for their stockholders. And so is it, a, is it, a, is it a, a useless thing to talk ethics when they're going back and, they're, and the people who are, who are controlling the metadata that we're, that, that we're trying to ethically manage Let's get have, Nova. You know, have no so, basis for ethics? Okay. Let's get Nova on okay. this one. So, um, so basically it's good for everybody to think about ethics and it's good for people to have a social contract and that's the basis of a society. Um, I would say that um, the media plays probably the main role in helping people to understand what that social contract is and to helping to maintain it, other than the police, right? And so the media, the media is not a thing, though. There is no the media. So what it's going to require is not some kind of big agreement, which never happens. It's going to require some people in the media who have the cojones to stand exactly. up there and spend their money, big money, to actually move the needle, right? And that's, you know, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting is an example of the political will being marshaled to do that. And now, you know, it's kind of being very wiped out. There needs to be for-profit models that, that do this. That's what we know. We know that for-profit models are the way to really make this kind of change happen and make it sustainable. So what we, what we really need are the, you know, more Richard Bransons. You know, we need more people out there building businesses based on, you know, certain principles of public good. Like Warren Buffett's. Yeah, the Warren Buffett's, for example, or, um, you know, I, I, there's so many examples. You know, the, the millennials, too, right, are, are, are going to be biggest purchasing power by 2020. So the dollar sure. can really affect vote. And, and they'll go to a benefit corporation. So we're, we were yeah, the first benefit, public, public benefit, benefit corporation, corporation. That's in, the, an example. in the health space. You're cutting it off. Where the off. charter gives it you a... You need those. You need how can those. You, how can you sleep at night, Molly? Yeah. You're no, cutting yeah, the panel off. Say, per personal responsibility, I have to come in yeah. here. We're all sitting yeah. here We have one more question. Can we do one more question? Can we do one more Can we do one more? I mean, yeah. look, you but can't leave the man standing. Jennifer, this is so important. Last no, question. So important. Personal responsibility. Yeah, it's it's one person on at a time. Yeah. We keep saying the world, the community, the, the this, no, the that. Personal responsibility. You. <laughs> Singularity <laughs> starts with you. <laughs> I, I love this. Like an Irish wedding. Okay, last question. May I interrupt? So my company name is AI or Die. So I feel like I have to talk about something. So what... What we are doing is making AI robots that fight human control robots. This comes from a battle about background, but also from a extensive work in AI. But our AI robots now are being superseded by robot intelligence. AI is artificial human intelligence. Robots that we are developing uh, think in just robotic terms. They have a mission, they act quickly, and they don't have morals. And so I wonder if there's any comment on lizards. the breed. They're lizards. Yeah. Well. Sounds like some humans we know. <laughs> so, but They're the question is, us. you're saying you're They're building these? Evolve us. Yeah, yeah, I have them here. Stop building them. Right, personal responsibility would be to shut that down. Call me crazy. <laughs> so it kind of speaks to Nova's point earlier on today about how you know, we, we, we got to be careful because these things will... Well, will so I would say, I would just say this. I mean, at this point, 20 or 30 years before the political singularity happens... You, each of us, has to look at the situation realistically and decide what we can and should do yeah. that will actually make any difference. 
really, I mean, realistically. Exactly. But can I get a huge round of applause for the panel? These guys are freaking. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 